Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. I'm still staying in this spot on hope. You might seem overwhelmed, but I want you to know that hope can overcome. You know, when we get to this understanding of hope, we're, 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 we're figuring out the biblical meaning of hope and the biblical meaning of hope. And the main thing I want for you to get the understanding of is this hope is confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. I want you to write that down. Confident, I call it, uh, my personal definition is confident expectation with joyful anticipation. Another way you could say it is confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. That's really good there. Some, I'm looking for a future good, and my hope is presenting that future good before my biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. That's where we got to get there. It doesn't just desire it. It expects it to happen. Did you get that? Just pull that in. Bible hope doesn't just desire something. It expects it to happen. Really good. It not only expects it to happen, but it is confident that it will happen. It's confident that it will happen. That's, one of the, that's a strong point right there. It's not just expecting it. It's confident that it will happen. There, there's basically something there. So one of the things we left off with was in Hebrews 11.1. 1, and I want to look at this in the Amplified Bible. Um, this is really um, uh, um, helped me understand this a little bit better. I know it's going to help you understand it probably um, just, just, as good as, um, just as good as you could see it in the Word of God is how much it becomes a reality in your life. So I really want to make the picture in the Word of God look real clear. Look at this. Hebrews 11.1. Just remember this. You're going to have to be hope-filled to get faith to work. I think that's so important. And you know, you're going to have to be hope filled to get faith to work because faith uses hope as a target to materialize hopes. That's important. Now, faith, look what it says in the Amplified. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for. Now, I want you to see that. Now, faith is the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. And it's so good. So when you say, where is the proof of the things that I'm believing? Hope paints that picture. Okay? Faith, hope for, being the proof of things we do not see in the conviction of the reality. So here's what happens. It's like faith and hope working together produce the what? the proof of the thing I can't see yet, and the conviction internally that they're more real even though I can't see them. Now, I want to say something here I think is good. Now, I think one works outwardly, and this is why I want you to see this, and one works inwardly. Now, watch this. Why do I have to have hope and faith together for this stuff? Being a proof of the things we do not see, I believe that's outward, okay? Outward. So you could say almost like this, man, what do you mean the outward? Well, the title deed or the paperwork 
would be the outward. Here it is, even though I don't see it. I got the paperwork for it, but I don't see it. I put my hope in that title deed and my faith materializes. But another thing I want to show you here is not see, and the conviction of their reality, that's internal. I have to have an inward conviction that what God said he can do, I can do. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Man, think about that. So the, the confirmation on the outside is produced just as strong as the conviction on the inside needs to be produced. I need both working together. So I like to say it like this. So now faith is the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see. I need proof on the outside for what I cannot see, and I need the conviction on the inside of believing that it's true even though I can't see it. Does that make sense? So I'm looking at, I got to have the outward, because like, you know what I mean? Sometimes in life, you got to be like, well, man, I don't, I don't see it. You need that outward kind of like, hey, here as I know, I know outward, outward. Because you're going to need it, because people are going to be like, well, where is it? Or, hey, what are you going to say about it? Or I got to have that outward, and then I got to have the inward. So the inward is based on the conviction of the reality, and the outward is the proof that I put before it to keep my target going there. It's very important. For by faith, trust, and holy fervor, born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony born of them to obtain a good report. By faith, we understand that the worlds, the worlds, during the success, success, the success age were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose. By the word of God, so that what we see was not made out of things which was visible. Now, that, that right there means like, that means a lot. Because we're not just moving the parts around. We're creating the new from the unseen. You know what I'm saying? That, that might be a stretch of your thinking. But I want you to see that. We're not rearranging stuff. We're not rearranging stuff that's already here. We're getting something that's not physically saw, seen. You don't physically see it. You can't see it, but you can materialize it by what you cannot see. Now, that's creative in itself, okay? So that's important because um, I want you to start activating this hope-filled life, and this is how it works. Hope comes from the Word of God, and I'm going to give you some thoughts to activate God's word in your life. Is that okay? So you got to get this now. Hope comes from the word of God. Now, let me read something to you. I didn't read to you um, before um, because I think, I think if you don't see certain things, you know, we talked about the temporal. We talked about the eternal a little bit. We kind of laid this stuff out. But I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm adding this in. Y'all know what I'm going to say. I read it before, and I read it in a different translation, but I just want to read it so you can get a real understanding of this because I think you have to understand hope, hope, man, hope is an anchor. And if you go to Hebrews 6, you know, it says, for God is not, let's just start with 6 and 10. Go to Hebrews 6 and 10. I read it um, in the Passion. It's powerful, but I want you to just read it in the King James. It's, you're probably more familiar with it in the King James, and it reads really well for us to understand the anchor side of faith. 
And we, we desire that every one of you, well, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, but you show towards his name that you minister to the saints and you do minister. That's so important, guys, that we keep, we keep conscious that we do this stuff not just for ourselves. We do it because we love God and we love people. We desire that every one of you show the same diligence. Now, I want you to look at verse 6, 11. And we desire, and this is, this is, I believe, the Apostle Paul speaking, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Now, that means you're going to have to be diligent about hope. You know, I know that's maybe not said a lot. What do you mean diligent about hope? That means you can't just let it slip just because you can't see it. You have to be diligent to stay up on this stuff. This is just going to happen because you're in the building. That you don't be slothful, but followers of them through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now he's saying here, hope is a force that allows faith and patience to be perfected. Because faith and patience is a process and the force of hope keeps faith and patience in the process of producing promises. Okay? That's what hope does. Confidently express, my faith's been released. My faith came by hearing. Okay? Hope started it, and hope kind of finishes it, but we need faith to release it. Now, I'm going to show you what happens. I'm in a situation, I need a breakthrough, I need money, I need healing, I need to change life, change people, believe in God. Well, hope comes from the word. Now, when the word came and brought hope, it also brought faith. Now I release it with faith. I believe I receive when I pray. Now I'm in the process of believing when I receive when I pray. What do I do now? I stay in faith, but I keep the element of hope as an anchor of the soul, confidently expecting that what I released, I believed I received. I don't allow my mind, will, and emotions to become undiligent in the process of hope, which keeps me connected to faith and patience. See it? Because I think it goes faith, patience, and hope's in the middle as a connector. I release my faith. Now I'm walking in patience to watch the promise come to pass. What am I going to give? Confident expectation needs to stay in the middle. Nothing wrong with it. It's future, it's future, it's future um, basic excitement that what faith released is going to come to pass. It's not a problem. Now, here's the problem with it. If you don't get faith and hope together, it doesn't work. Because hope just goes, something's going to change. I'm constantly expecting something's going to change. Without faith, nothing changes. So you got to have the element of faith release to get faith release, I got to have hope. And once faith releases hope, now I got to keep hope in the arena of the soul. So that force of faith keeps painting that picture. It's kind of like, remember back in the day, you used to go to, remember when you, the kids do it in the back sometimes, I bet you. We used to have those, those pictures, you know, you used to connect the dots, one to two to three to four to five, and that sometimes you look at it, you could see it, but some of it's really intense, and you can't understand, you can't make it out. Like, I don't know what it is. So you're going one to two to three to four to five to six, seven, eight. That's what's happening with faith and, and, and hope. Faith is connecting the dots as you're, as you're moving forward with the force of faith and hope working together. Each, each moment, 
It's getting a little clearer. One, two, you're at like 26, 27, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's materializing the picture, but the problem is, what happens if you go, I, I don't want to wait no more. Ah, you're done. So you got to leave it. You got to leave it in there for a little longer until it can materialize. That's important. Okay? So he says, don't be through faith and patience and heard promise. Don't be slothful, man. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Now I want you to slip on down to this thing. 19. Which hope, which hope, now what's the hope we got there? That God made these things, these promises sure and steadfast. You see that? Two immutable things. It's possible for God to lie. He's not, he's not going to back up on his word. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast, which had to run the veil. So he's saying, God made promise to Abraham. So the promise that God gave Abraham, now pay attention because this is where it really works. Abraham's believing God for Isaac. Isaac is not understood by Abraham. God says, call yourself the father of many nations, when you can't see what's going on. Now, I'm going to read something here strong, okay? Call yourself the father of many nations, even though you can't see any of this thing coming to pass. I call those things that be not as though they were. I quickened it to the dead. Okay, I got you. Now, he says, look, and when Abraham looked, he said, God said, I'm basing this promise on my character and my word, who I am. He goes, no problem. And watch this which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. So he said, look, he said, when Abraham kind of went, I don't know if God can do it, he went back to the promise, but then he went back to the guy that gave the promise and he kept the word as an anchor of the soul. So he went back to the source of where faith was first originally given, the commandment of what? You will be the father of many nations. Now he staggered on to this. He didn't do that. He didn't get lost in the shuffle. He didn't look at the promises and go, oh my God. He looked at God's character and stood fixed on it even though it didn't look like it was coming to pass. He questioned, he doubted, he had all that things. He doubted, he pouted, he messed up. But guess what? He had Ishmael, he had a mess, but he still held on to the promise. It might not be perfect, but you could see the promise in the end. Abraham did it. And he says, that hope that he got of the oath and the promise, God's promise and God's oath or God's backing it up or God, let's just say the promise of from the word of God and the covenant that God made with Abraham was the thing that he hoped in. And because he had those pro all from the word, it was a spoken word. We got a written word and a spoken word. He said, that gave me what? And anchored my mind, my will, and my emotions to keep pressing even when I couldn't see. That is how it works. You got to go back to the source of where the promise started and have confident expectations after faith's been released. So that's really important. I know that's a little bit of a bunny trail, but you need it. So here's the thing. Okay, now remember this. Number one thing we got to remember, and this is going to be good, and I think you're going to like it, and if you, you don't like it, it's okay, because you, you, you're going to love it. Your relationship with God is going to only go as deep as your relationship with his word. Okay? Write that down. You say, well, I go to church, and I love God, and, you know, Pastor Chris, I do love God. I know you love God. I go to church. I'm a Christian. That's great. Well, your relationship with God is only going to go as far as your word understanding goes. And you might say, what does that mean? 
Well, that means this. If you don't spend time in God's word, your relationship with God ain't going to be too good. You know what I mean? Look at the people in life. Like, you might have people like, I don't know what you like. I don't know what you want to do. I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you're about, right? And you go, what kind of relationship can I have with you if I don't know nothing about you? You know what I'm saying? Right? So it's like, I don't just, just imagine this. I just, I just take myself and, and basically come into your family and go, hey, I'm coming in your house now. I'm a member of your family. If I don't know nothing about your family, what do we do? What's some of the ways we kind of, I'm going to be lost, man. You ever watch that show? I just seen it the other day. You ever see where they swap the wife? What do you call it? A wife swap or whatever the thing is. You ever see that? Like for a couple of days, right? They bring this new, they bring, they bring these wives, right? Somebody at home is going, I want to try it. Don't try it. It looks dangerous, right? Not me, of course. I don't want to do that. But anyway, right? You get the, dude, you ever see the show? It's funny, right? Is, that, is it wife swap? That's it? Okay, good. I, I need Angela as my doctrinal help here, right? So, so it's wife swap, right? So I watched this thing. This lady's like plain Jane. She got in this house. Oh, my God. I don't know if you've seen it. i just seen a commercial for it. Watched it for like two minutes. It was crazy. I was like, she's plain Jane. She's like, oh, we, we, she dress right, walk right, talk right, live right, got it all right. They stuck her in the house with these crazy people. These people were drunk. Kids running all over the place. They got her. I'm sure she, they, they were crazy. They were partying every day. The guy's like, I don't care if we party all night. The kids are up. It's like midnight. This lady was so out of her element. You could tell she had no understanding of relationship with this kind of mentality at all. And if you would, and there she is in the family, like, I'm part of the family now. And she's like, I do not fit into this family. Right? Why'd I say that? You're in the family of God. If you don't understand the family dynamics, how in the world could you be a part of this family? You might be out there thinking this and acting like that and saying like that and living like that and talking like that and being like that and doing like that. And look, we got time for you. But guess what? If you don't, if you don't take your life and, and mesh it into the family of God, you're never going to understand how this family thinks. You know what's funny about people? You know why the kingdom of heaven you could be like, man, I, got, I don't know, we just got a family, we're in a church and we're church family. Because we got the same character, most of us. I, I said this to Pastor Liz just yesterday. I said, let me tell you, I could be ministry friends with somebody, but I cannot be social friends with some people. Because their social standard of life is different than my social standard of life. That doesn't mean I don't love everybody, that doesn't mean, but I ain't gonna hang out with that. So that's cool. I could be your ministry friend, but I cannot be your social friend because we don't see eye to eye in certain things and people are not going to be attracted to that. I'm not going to say nothing, but it just isn't going to work. So what am I trying to say? How good is your relationship with God? It's going to start with agreement, guys. Just like that lady getting shoved in that family. She didn't agree with none of that. She's going to be like a, she's going to be, she's going to be a mess for the next three days and then she's going to freak out. Same thing with you. Same thing with me. I got to find the standard. So what is this? You got to spend time with God. You got to meditate in the word. You got to spend some time. Look what it says here. Okay. You got to make the word of God your first priority. You do. You really do. Let's just use Isaiah 66 2. Let's look at Isaiah 66 2. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things hath been, says the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is pouring of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. You know what I mean? He was explaining. He's saying, look, he said, he's like a humble spirit. 
trembling at the word of God, becoming one with the word, connecting to the word, keeping the word of God first place in your life, practicing the word of God. Listen, guys, what do you mean practice the word of God? Put it first place. Step out on it. Because here's the thing you got to remember. It's in the promise of God that the power of God is in the promise. And the more you step towards these promises, the more you release the power in the promise to live the life. If I don't get you in the promise, I cannot get you to the power. If I don't get you to the power, I can't get you to the transformation. That is what you got to see, man. Watch this. This is so good. I know sometimes when I read these things to you, you go, oh, you know, look, you know what, you know what Romans says, be not conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Come on. You guys know this. Transform means what? Oh, you got to get changed, right? You get changed. How do you get cha- changed? How do you metamorpho? How do you, you what? You yield to the word of God and allow the power in the word of God to change the way you think. You know Romans 12, 1 and 2. I love Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think it's one of the great scriptures in the Bible. And be not conformed by this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everybody say, I'm renewing my mind. Put that in there. I'm renewing my mind. Well, if you don't renew your mind, you sure can't walk in the power of God. If you don't renew your mind, you can't walk in the ability of God. And if you don't renew your mind, my God in heaven, you ain't going to be able to walk in anything, God. Look at this scripture. I got this one for you, too. I really like this one. You're going to love this one, right? I think this is good, too. I, 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 like, I like the word of God because I know the word of God has, that's why I always like to back up everything I'm telling you with the word of God because I know the word of God's got the power, amen? The word of God's got the power to change your life. And this, this thing gets me right here. When I, I'll tell you what, y'all, you'll be looking at the divine partaker of the divine nature, but I also want, want you to understand something. You can't have agreement with the things that you don't agree with. Go to 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Go to because he tries to explain to you how you carry this process on. Second Corinthians 6 14. He talks about this, and I want to read it to you. And um, uh, you, you got to understand this. It says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? He's calling you righteousness, he's talking about you being yoked together with unbelievers. Now, listen, we love the lost but we're not going to hang out with the loss because the loss might pull you back into being lost. So don't, you got to be careful with that. So watch what he says. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light? He's calling you light with darkness. What concord does Christ, he's calling you Christ, have to do with Baal? Or what part has the believer, right? Believeth he who believeth with the infidel. And what agreement hath the temple of God, he calls you the temple of God, with the idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God had said, I dwell in them, walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my key people. See that right there? He said, you are the temple of the living God. Amen? So you have to understand the word. Now watch this. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And you will be a fa- I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. Oh, Lord Almighty. Now what's he say? Come out from among them. Separate yourself. The word of God separates you from the pack. Amen? Because people do not have the word of God first and foremost in their life, or is it the authority of their life? 
you got to start making. So make this, write this down. Put this in the comments. Comments. First place word of God. I'm put, put that in there. Comment right now. I'm making the word of God my first authority. It's going to be my first and final authority. I just, Kenneth Hagin told a great story. I'm going to explain it to you. Right? Write it down. Write it in the comments, however you want to write it. The word of God is going to be my final authority. The word of God is going to be my first authority. The word of God is going to be. So now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. So Kenneth Hagin told, told a story. We were in Bible school, right? Tells us a story. He goes, man, he goes, I was kind of drying up in the revelation I was getting out of the word of God. And he said, it kind of bothered me, and I didn't know why. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, that's a pretty, pretty tough statement. And he said, he said, I asked the Lord. He said, you said he prayed and asked the Lord. He said, Lord, he goes, why is this going on? And the Lord said to him, said, you're not walking in the light I'm giving you, so I'm not giving you no more light. I mean, you know, that's kind of bold. I'm going to tell you again. He said, he said, why in the world am I going to give you more revelation of the word of God when you're not even walking in the revelation I already gave you? And he felt like the word of God dried up a little bit on him, you know? And he went to prayer about it. He said, Lord, he said, I'm not getting what I was getting out of the word. How come? And he said, I think he fasted a couple of days. Don't quote me on that part, but I know what he said here. He said, I'm not going to give you any more light until you start walking in the light I gave you. What good would that be? And Kenneth Hagin said these words, i never forget as long as I live. He said, that's the day, he said, I looked at my Bible, and before I opened it, I said, everything I see that Bible tell me to do, I'm going to do. Everything I hear that Bible tells me to say, I'm going to say. I'm not going to contrarily, unspinose to me, I will not willfully, contrarily be against what the Word of God says. I will practice it. I will live it. I will try to it. I will do whatever I can. But I promise you this. I will not know to do good and do with it not. And I, I thought about that as a student. I said, man, that's a great thing to live by. Can you imagine if you just said, I don't want to know anything but what the Word of God says, and I'm just going to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. Well, that's what the Bible expects. But here's what starts happening. We start losing hope because we stop walking in the truth we know. We start losing hope because we're not applying the truths we already know. We start losing hope because we stop looking at what we're supposed to be looking at. Look into the meditate in this word of the Lord. Stay in the word. You're over here looking at all the circumstances of the problem. This is a big one right here, right? How about this? Stop trying to apply the word to your life and begin applying your life to the word. Woo, that's a good one right there, ain't it? That's a good one right there. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I got my life and I take the word of God and I put the word of God in me. And I, oh, I got my life and then I take the word of God and I put, my, I put the word in me. Oh, I got my life. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And then I take a little word of God and I apply the word of God to me. Nah, 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 nah. You see what I'm saying? Now it's you're living your life and you put a little bit of word in you. That's not what I want. Go, go. Apply your life. My life's in the word. I ain't coming out the word. Every once in a while, I come out, but I go back in. You see the opposite of it? That's what that means. Stop trying to apply the word of God in my life. So I'm doing, Pastor Chris is doing Pastor Chris. I'm saying what I want to say, going where I want to go, living how I want to live, walking how I want to walk. And I go, ooh, wait a minute. Ooh, I feel conviction. I get a little bit of word and put it in me. Ooh, I get a little bit of, oh, I bless them that curse me. But, Nah, that ain't what it is. I'm sowing the word. That's it. I'm the word. I'm a word guy. And then I might, ooh, I might, I'm slipping this. No, I come back in the word. You got to get your whole life in this then. You understand that? I'm telling you, this is important. You know, I, 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 I was thinking about this. I, as I'm thinking about this, 
I really am. Because hope, remember we said this? Man, I, I got to show you something. I got, you got to see this. Uh, hope, hope, man, is a force. And that's the problem with this thing. If you're not careful, you won't realize the power of hope, and you really will, you'll really will lay, uh, um, you'll, you'll, you'll almost mess it up. And, and if you're not careful, my God in heaven, you'll mess the whole thing up because you won't use hope as a force. You'll just start using, you won't use hope as the force is supposed to be. And, and, and man, you, just, you, won't, you won't do it. And then you, you, you miss it. You miss the elements of it. I don't want to say it like it's a formula, but it's a formula. Is that okay? Is that okay? Let's look, let's look at Romans 4. Let's look at Romans 4, 13 in the Passion Bible. You got to see this. Romans 4, 13 in the Passion Bible. And I'm going to read this. But are you, are you pulling this in? That hope thing? You got, you got, you got, you mess it up. You mess up. Well, you're like, I don't have nothing to frame. Well, faith ain't got nothing to frame if hope ain't standing before the picture. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like this. This camera's on, okay? I'm going to get in real trouble, but I'm, I'm going to show you something here. They're going to get mad at me. Somebody's going to get mad about this, but I don't really care because I'm running things around here. Don't go anywhere, right? So this camera's on, okay? So that's faith. This is hope. Ain't no picture there. There's an empty seat. Now watch this. When I come before faith, I materialize. See, faith, faith's on. That camera's on. See it? I'm right here. See this? But there, faith's working. But until you get the picture in front of it, it don't materialize nothing. But I could be over here. Hey, I'm over here. Call me. Call me. You got to call me into frame. Uh, when we set up, you know what they tell me? Move this thing and go over here and get it in the shot because I, I could be out of the shot. You got to get your faith. See, faith's on. Faith's on because faith is God. Hope holds the picture. Hold that picture. No, I'll get that picture in focus. It's out of focus. Faith's a force. It's on. It's staying on. It stays on. It's light. The light is the life of man. That light's in you. Now, if I get it like this, look right here, right? Look right here. Oh, you're getting, okay, now I see you, Pastor Chris. I didn't see you a minute ago, but I had the capacity. Faith was on, but hope's got to hold that picture. That is what Abraham learned to do. He shows you how to do it. You got it, but it's up to your soul to hold that picture because if your soul don't hold the picture, faith can't materialize what it cannot see. Faith cannot materialize what hope can't hold before it. So hope is like this picture. It's like a picture frame. It's holding it, and faith's going, I got it. Don't take it away. And hope's slipping. Oh, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. No, hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Go back to the word. Hold it. Hold it. Faith's saying, give me a little more time. Just give me a little bit more time. I can materialize it if you can hold it. Hold it right there. Hold it right there. Hold, hold. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hang it. Hold it. Don't let us slip in. No, no, no. You got to hang on to it. Got to hang on to it. Otherwise, there's nothing in the picture. For faith to materialize. Look what he says here. It's so good. You're going to love this, man. Woo! I'm telling you, you're going to love this. You guys are doing good, too. This ain't easy. Ain't nobody talking about this stuff. You're learning how to do it. I'm telling you, you know how privileged we are that God reveals this stuff to us? I didn't, 20 years I didn't know how this stuff worked. And how in the world my faith? Lord said to me, what is it? Where's hope? So how in the world do I know where hope is? Hope is in your soul. I can't materialize what you can't hope for. <sighs> My God in heaven. Then you're blaming God. No, you're growing. You're growing in here. God promised Abraham 
See this? God promised Abraham and his descendants that they would have an heir who would reign over the world. This royal promise was not fulfilled because Abraham kept all the law, but through the righteousness that was transferred by faith. You better get that right there. How do I get this righteousness transferred over by faith? Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. You get that? For if keeping the law earned an inheritance, then faith is robbed of its power and the promises become useless. See, this is how it works. You can't just go, oh, I'm a good. Ain't nothing about good. Faith, faith gets robbed of its power. What you mean faith gets robbed of its power and the promises of God become useless? Because faith empowers the promises and paints you a brand new picture. But if you're going to do this by actions of works, it got, you're going to get the credit. God's like, no, my system works. Faith will materialize what hope can hold because faith is a force, and I put faith in you. I gave every man the measure of faith. You got God's faith. Paul told you best. It's no longer I who live, but the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. What is that life? That life force in you, that Zoe life of God is made up of faith. How do you think you got born again? Faith got you born again. Faith. Whose faith? Abraham's faith, man. Abraham believed God for you to come into the earth. You a faith baby. I'm telling you, better meditate on that one. For the law provoked punishment, and where no law exists, there cannot be a violation of law. Now watch this. The promise depends on faith. Any promise depends on faith. Everything that Bible says depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. Now, grace laid it all up. You didn't know you needed all this stuff. Grace said, give it to them all. Give them everything. Give them all the kingdom. By grace through faith. Salvation came by grace through faith, though. You don't believe it. You got friends and I got friends right now. They don't believe God for nothing. They don't believe God. They're like, oh, you're crazy, all that God stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, God, right, whatever. You can say I'm crazy, but I'm living it. The promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. Depends on faith. And it now extends to all the descendants of Abraham. That's you. This promise is not only meant for those who obey the law, but also those who enter into faith of Abraham and for us all. Not just the Jew, but the Gentile. That's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. Now, you better get this. Talking about Abraham. He is our example and father, for in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead and call those, call into being things that don't even exist yet. Now, watch this. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise. See where hope came from? The promise. Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. That's where hope comes from. It doesn't look, I, this is crazy. You know what he said? Um, she's old, I'm old, nothing going to work. He said, I ain't looking at what could naturally work. I'm looking at what spiritually was said. And believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word, and as a result, 
he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that it will be impossible to count. Now watch this. It tells, it tells. We're going to read a little more. We got time. Let's just look at it. In spite, now watch what he says here. In spite of being nearly 100 years old, when the promise of having a son was made, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. He never stopped believing God's promise. There you go. Not looking at the circumstances, not looking at the situation, not looking at what's going on. He never stopped believing God's promise for he was made strong in his faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith and conceived that God had, okay, I'm sorry, that he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all power, the power needed to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God. He never stopped believing. He was made strong in faith to do something naturally. Because I'll tell you right now, he, 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 he conceived. Okay? And because he was mighty in faith and conceived or was convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promise, Abraham glorified God. He just still kept praising him. So now you can see why Abraham's faith was credited to his account as righteous before our God. And this declaration was not just spoken over Abraham, but also over us. For when we believe and embrace the one who brought our Lord Jesus back to life, perfect righteousness will be credited to our account as well. Jesus, Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that he made us right with God. That resurrection life. So what am I trying to get you to see? Abraham used the same principles of the promise and faith and kept hope against hope. Now here's the thing. How in the world can you confidently expect something you cannot see? Amen? Because you got to know where you find sight for it. What do you say? How in the world can you confidently expect something that you cannot see? You got to know where to go to the source to see it. It's not here. You cannot go to the natural vision place to see what cannot be seen with natural eyes, you got to go to the word of God and see and conceive what can only be seen with spiritual eyes. You're looking in the wrong places. You got to look at the promises of God. That's where you see what cannot be seen. Now, I got to show you that. You got to see that. That's what he figured out. Hope, hope cannot be found in the arena of sight. Hope has to be found in the arena of the promise. That's why he said it anchors you. That's what we talked about last week. Remember he said the anchor goes into the mercy seat. My God in heaven. What do you mean the anchor goes in the mercy seat? The anchor goes in the mercy seat and in the mercy seat in the holy of holies where the glory of God is. It keeps you connected to the promises of God that you received just like he said, because of Jesus' precious blood. Because this is what you got to understand. Okay? 
on that mercy seat in the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats was shed. And that was what? To make atonement or to make sacrifice for mankind to say, hey, even though you're a bunch of sinners, you could be forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ and you could receive just a little bit of help in life because until Jesus pays the price, I could do only so much for you. Now we are New Testament believers. Jesus, once and for all, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his blood entered into the holy of holies where the mercy seat was, right? That mercy seat of the Old Testament has now become the New Testament throne of grace. So now grace cries out, you are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are brand new. You are cleansed. You, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren can't accuse you no more because when he goes to accuse you, that blood of Christ on that mercy seat, cries out, you've been forgiven, you've been redeemed, you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. There's a, so when you go to grab, now watch what's happening. You go to grab that promise, and, and the enemy goes, you don't deserve that. You can't have that. You didn't do that. Now you're going in there with faith, not works. Oh, my God, I hope you're seeing this. You ain't going in there with works. You're going in there with faith, and your faith gets a little waffly when you go in there because you're basing your character. You go, oh, I don't know if I can hang on to this. And he's going, you, I, he accuses you. You don't deserve it. You, don't, you shouldn't get it. And that, right when you just let, oh, my faith, oh, I'm anchor, my soul, I'm fighting. Oh, my God, I'm condemned. And all of a sudden, and that accuser screaming, that blood starts screaming, they're righteous, they're redeemed. The propitiation of my life, the sacrifice of my life, Jesus, has now given you the freedom to every yes and amen to the promises of God. So you hang on to that promise. And when my hope starts going, I don't know if I can hang in here no more. I don't know if I can hold on. It just hang on, baby. Why? Because that blood is crying out, it's yours. It's forgiven. It's redeemed. It's by my blood in my grace with your faith. Now, faith accesses everything grace provided. But here's the thing. Your soul goes, this is so good. Because your soul is like, I don't deserve it. You don't, you're right. You don't deserve it, but you get it anyway. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what God, don't make a difference. It's his plan. It wasn't your plan. This is what you got to see, church. This is why we get it. Why, why does the anchor of the soul get weird? Because you don't like faith and patience. That's why. It's, t- how long is this going to take? When, you re- when you're ready to stand forever, you ain't going to have to stand so long. Well, how long, who cares? Faith, patience, hope. Confident expectation. Man, you guys are doing this. Listen, you go back, you listen to this a couple times. Share it, comment in it. You're going to see how this thing works because that's exactly what happens. You grab that promise, and then you start going, man, I don't know, I don't know, if, I, I don't know if I can hang on. You can hang on, but you got to look through the veil. And when you look through the veil, you remember, I, I, did I tell you what that was about? I didn't get a chance to share this with you, but... You know, it says he was a forerunner. That's what it says in the King James. He's a forerunner. I looked at that. I studied that. What that means is this. This isn't what that forerunner would mean. Huge ships. This is, this is legit. I got it in my notes. But huge ships, like, would have to, sometimes these boats were so big, they couldn't get into a place to drop the anchor so the anchor would take shore and steadfast. So what they would do is the huge ship would stay outside of like, you know, the channel, 
And what would happen was these little boats would come and get the anchor and the rope and run it into places the huge ship couldn't go and make sure it was sure. And then the line would hold the ship out in the sea while the little boat would take the anchor and bring it to a place of safety. Because, you know, you're in a lot of water or you're in rough water. You can't get that anchor to take all the way out there. So what they would do, this is true. This is, this is where he got forerunner. That word forerunner means this, that the big ship would give the anchor. You see this sometimes like with a tugboat. You ever see like a tugboat? They guide those big ships in. It's kind of like that little, little tugboat helps that big ship get in because it can't get in them little spots. Well, this is what the forerunner would do. This is biblically proven. The forerunner well, this is how he wrote it, would go to the big ship, that, lo- that boat, he would take the anchor and the rope, and he would go all the way in through the breakers and make sure it was sure and fast, and then that rope would go all the way out to the big boat, and the big boat wouldn- would be able to make it in the storm. He said Jesus was the forerunner who went in through the veil. He took that, he took that anchor and went into the holy of holies. Ooh, my God in heaven, I feel the Holy Ghost. He took the anchor and brought it into the holy of holies and put it on that mercy seat, put his blood on there. He went in first so we could go in forever. He went in and laid it there. And he got he got you tied out there. You're in the middle of the life. Whoa! You like hanging on. Don't worry about it, baby. Hang on. Why? Because the forerunner went before us, went over into glory. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's standing there on our behalf, making intercession. And just when it looks like you're losing, honey, I tell you what, you're winning every minute, every moment, and every battle because he went in beyond the veil and gave you the glory to take it out into the earth. You're going to win. But you got to know how. Not based on what you do, but based upon what he did. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The spirit of God's going to give you the activation and the cultivation to produce every promise that God said you can have. I promise you that's true, amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you at the sound of each and every person here, their voice. I'll tell you, God, I love you. I love these guys, man. I wish I could see them even more than I see them now. I know they're growing. God, as they take these notes and as you speak their I'm smart enough to know this. You'll speak this word the way they need to hear it in their heart. I pray that my words today activated something on the inside of them for them to see themselves who they really are. Let the greatness of who they are on the inside show up on the outside. Let your blessing touch their life. Empower them in every area. Prosper them. Help them, lead them, guide them, be with them. But let them see the truth that I'm hanging on to hope. And hope is giving me thanks. Hope is giving me praise. And hope is giving me gratitude. My gratitude, my confession, my praise and thanksgiving is keeping my hope strong, even in the midst of the storms of life. Bless them and keep them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. Listen, man, I love you. I'm I'm with you. Come on, don't forget. You got to keep, remember, click it. Come on, if I'm caring, I'm sharing, call somebody this week. Text somebody from the church, open your phone, get in there, say, hey, I'm going to just text somebody from church, see how they're doing, reach out. We can still connect even though we're not congregating 
as like we used to. This might be a new season of life, but guess what? We're still the same people from last season. You know what I mean by that. We didn't change. We're relevant. Come on, man. If you're a friend and a partner, you know what we're going to do. We're going to do life together. If we do life together in the building, great. We do life together outside, great. But we're going to do life together forever. We're in this thing together. We're committed to relationship for eternity, and we're going to be together in heaven, so we might as well stick it out here in the earth. Amen? Listen, go share Go comment, go get involved, go text somebody, go love somebody, go pray for somebody. I'm going to see you soon. And remember this, as long as you keep your focus where it needs to be, God's going to keep your hope, your help, your hope, your healing where it needs to be in your life. Amen. I love you guys. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, welcome home.